Welcome to Mastering Agility. If you want to listen to authentic conversations with the most inspiring guests, find like-minded people in the Mastering Agility Discord community or both online and face-to-face events, this is the platform for you. Grab a drink, sit back, and join professional scrum trainers Sander Dorr, Jim Sammons, and their guests in an all-new episode. Welcome back to Mastering Agility, everyone, and we will continue last episode's discussion. Right. Yeah. I, um, I, no, I, I really like seeing your journey. That's a great visual. We'll see if we can figure out a way to share that in like the show notes and on LinkedIn when we promote this episode so other people can see it. Um, I'm, I, and in the comments, it says, this is how a stand-up comedian works. Yes. Uh, and I mean, like, I, I'm a fan of stand-up comedians. I've, I've been to see many of them. I watch the documentaries and I love the behind the scenes. And what you see is they have paid in, in a, sometimes in a very real way, but definitely in their time and their, their, their mental health to go up and bomb over and over again and to make jokes that don't land and to make Mm. jokes to two people like uh, some of the biggest comedians in the world now have have stories about i once told i did 20 minutes to three people and one of them was my girlfriend at the time and most people would say i'm never doing that again and i think the people who now have you know, headlining, like they have Marvel movies and they've got headlining acts and, you know, they're Eddie Murphy and Kevin Hart, all these people, they all have stories like that. Yeah. Look at Joe Rogan, the guys like that, they have been living in their car for a while. And that's that's grit. That's discipline. That's grit. That's discipline. That's dedication and all that. And, you know, again, this isn't about us or me or them or whatever, but it's, I'm curious, Arthur, if you would, if you've ever had the experience where somebody's like, I want what you've got. And you say, okay, well, here's my journey. Here's what I did. And you tell them your stories. And they're like, yeah, I, I don't want to do that. Has that happened? There was a cut in the very last second. So somebody come to me, comes to me and say, hey, I want what you have. And then I, I say something and they don't want. What is that again? You explain to them, you know, kind of how you got there and the challenges you had. And like you maybe talk through the visual you just showed us. And for any reason, you just, you know, they say, I'm not willing to do that or I I can't do that or I won't do that. And that's okay. And that's okay. Everybody has different priorities. And whenever somebody says like, even I don't have time, my brain already translates automatically to I have different priorities. We all have 24 hours, one in or not. Mm-hmm. But is your daughter? Is it your work? What is it that is really your priority? So it's not going to the gym, fine. It's not trying stand-up comedy, fine. Improv, fine. Uh, so my role is not never to convince somebody. I really try to inspire people. And this visual, the main goal of this visual was to really show that it was not overnight. It was nine years, and you see the first bar, submitting to dozens and dozens of conferences per year. That is how I started this visual because I wanted to show people that it's not like you stop. Of course, I get way more invitations today. Of course, like organizers are calling me back or recommendations, but I still don't stop refining my craft and and sending. Sometimes I was a keynote on one conference. Now I'm in a room in the corner somewhere far away 
and I go with the same smile, the same energy, and I deliver in the best way I can. So the, my main purpose with this visual and with the mentees I have, now I'm, I have seven mentees. I started this year a one-on-one mentoring session for public speaking. It's to inspire and to show that it's not going to be overnight. It's not that you're going to become a keynote overnight. It's not that um, you are going to have thousands of uh, ideas and create many sessions. Or try once. See how it goes. And I really repeat my message again and again in every post I put on LinkedIn. Have fun in your public speaking journey. Make it fun. It's not about, as we were discussing earlier, it's not about like putting that as a to-do and you struggle and you feel like C-R-A-P doing, I don't know if there is a people, you feel like shit <laughs> doing your, your, your talk and you feel traumatized at the end. You're like, I never want to do this again. That's not fun. You are just traumatizing yourself and that's, that's not the purpose. So what I really work with my mentees and colleagues is just have fun. Have fun having finding the idea. What is the title? Let's play around. Put some weird ingredients there. Try five different titles. See which one runs better. In this submission, try one. In this submission, try the other one. The abstract. Make it like a synopsis of a movie that you make it teasing, inspiring, attractive, but without spoiling. Iron Man dies. You cannot put that in your abstract, man. You're going to spoil. Nobody's going to go to see the movie or people are going to be <laughs> upset. Um, so I make it fun and I, I make it like a journey that you enjoy throughout. And that's something journey. that people forget. And it's, it's really easy to, to look at you as being successful at public speaking and you have your platform. It's really easy to just look at that part and then forget about having fun. People are so much aiming for, so often aiming for that success and then forget to have fun. And whether that's in public speaking or any any other job that you're performing, yeah, have fun. Life is way too short. I was talking to someone the other day, and there, we had the realization. Uh, I think it was Sabrina, pretty sure. There was this song in twenty oh three, some something that year. Like, holy shit, that's twenty years ago. Time flies by so fast. If you forget to have fun, then you're just wasting your life. Don't, don't, don't do something you don't enjoy. There are so many people that are disconnected from their job, from whatever they're doing, and forget to have fun. Live. Yeah. Make sure to, that you enjoy it. Totally. Yeah. And and I did stand up comedy three times. One was randomly in Krakow, just walking around, and I always wanted to do. I had a kind of set, let's say five minutes or so, that I wanted to talk about this and this and that. I was walking with my friend and I saw stand up to the dragon. Uh, how do they call it? Open mic. I'm like, you know that I always want to try stand up comedy, right? He's like, let's go, man. I entered this place, kind of a pub, a bit dodgy, a bit cool, a bit nice, a bit dark. And I see, I don't know, maybe 50 people sitting in front of this stage. There is a huge dragon in front. I like, really a uh, kind of iron dragon. And then I go to the person and say, I would like to speak. I would like to try this crazy stuff here. And he's like, you just, you are very lucky. One person just gave up. So I gave my name. He puts in the middle of a big, like, you know, this, how do you call this magic hat? Like of magicians. How do you call that? No, I have. Magicians. But the one that is high like this. Like a, like a top hat? Yes. So there was, there were that hat. There were many names there, many papers with names. 
And then he's like, okay, we're going to just try and see whoever comes next. And I was trying to remember the text that I created. Like, okay, I have this set, it's roughly five minutes. As soon as I was trying to remember, he's like, and now the next person coming straight from Brazil. He just joined, he just gave his name. And guess who was now selected to go next? Artur Margonari. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I was trying to remember my text. Don't do that. So that was a stand up to the dragon. You are on the stage, 50 people. There was this dragon on the top. And your goal was to go on seven minutes without the judges pressing the button. There were judges. There was a table on the side with three judges looking at you like this. And if you were not funny enough, they would press a button and the dragon on the top would just spill a kind of like smoke and then you are out. Mm. If you go the seven minutes, you get a mug and round of applause. So I did it. I was nervous. I managed to go until I remember five minutes or so. And then after that, I started improvising completely random but I was having fun and they pressed the button after five minutes and a half. So for me, it was a big success. And then I'm like, oh my God, I'm so hyped. I'm going to try this again, man. It was a lovely experience. I have it recorded. I've never shared. Uh, <laughs> no, I will share at some point. I'm going to share anything. I want to try this again, but now he rehearsed. So I rehearsed in front of the mirror. I tried with friends and it was becoming better and better. Set up, bunch, set up, bunch, boom, 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 start. You're like, oh my God, this is so good. And I tried here in Brussels. Man, it was trash. <laughs> it was terrible. Terrible. It was, and it was not like if it was not funny, they would press a button. You had 10 minutes. So for 10 minutes, I had people looking at me like this. Ooh. No, but this joke is going to be amazing. They're going to really laugh. Okay, I'm already sweating, but this joke is really good. They're going to love this one. Da -da -da -da. Boom. I want to die. I just want to like flush my head in the toilet. I'm like, this is not for me. This is oh, we crazy. Can do that. <laughs> yeah, I, I almost did. And then coming back to the point of the whole conversation here in these last minutes is it's very easy to get traumatized and never do that again. And because I know that's very easy, I'm like, I'm going to try once more. That's just once more. I cannot, I cannot, cannot be like that. So I did it once with another text and it was pretty good. It was pretty good. People laughing. And then, you know, when you go out the stage, people are like, man, it was pretty good. Okay. Okay. For the third time, it was pretty good. One guy came and said, uh, want a beer? I'm like, yes. <laughs> so I got a, a free beer. Uh, I didn't have to do anything. It was just getting a beer. And that's it, man. It's, I think it's the same for public speaking. It's, you try once, maybe the same talk is going to land very well. Maybe you do it in another country and it's going to be completely different because of the culture. I remember going to Finland, my first talk in 2017 in Finland, Tampere. I use a lot of humor in my talks and they were also not laughing. I'm, I'm already traumatized of people not laughing on my jokes. I'm already, I'm here again. I'm here on this place. They're not <laughs> laughing. And then I, I again, they're going to really laugh on this joke. All looking at me. So I was melting on the stage and I'm like, Artur, just try something different, man. This is not landing. That's not their style of humor. Just try something else. And I started delivering a little bit more dry, a bit of, bit of British humor. I, I don't know. I tried something different. And as soon as I delivered, blah, 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 and I didn't laugh at the end, they're like, hmm. <laughs> I saw some people giggling. Hmm. I'm like, okay, okay. We're we are back on track. Of course, it's not all Finland that has this type of humor, but in Tampere, 
in the middle of the winter on that specific moment, that's how it landed better. And mm -hmm. I'm going to stop talking, but yeah, keep trying. Even if the same talk goes well once and the other one goes a little bit lower, even if you feel like that was a terrible one, just adjust and record yourself. I did it a lot. Always recording myself. The most painful thing is to watch yourself again. Painful, mm -hmm. painful. You are like 95% of the time you're like, you stupid, you stupid, you stupid. Why did you do that? You stupid. You stupid. Oh my God, this is so boring, 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 boring. It's boring. It's annoying. Mm -hmm. But it's how you see yourself. Yeah. And you're like, oh, that actually works. I can double down on that. Oh, I was moving too much. I call it, uh, I want to pee. You know what is I want to pee on the stage? I want to pee is like... So as I was saying, um, my journey started when I was in Brazil. And then you're making everybody dizzy. Just the movement is, is about purpose. Just to visualize this a little bit more into text, Arthur was <laughs> moving around like he had to pee. Yeah. <laughs> or, or the lion on the cage, right? It's also the same, but that's where you see yourself and you can keep on improving. Now, shut up, man. I'm going to drink the water. I spoke too much. So. No, it's good. And, and I'll tell you, um, like, I think movement is good, whether you're on camera or on a stage, etc. but it can't be distracting. It's got to be used artfully yes. because what I, this is what I think, and you have more experience than this. So if you disagree, please tell me is You've got to, if you want people to be entertained, you might do a certain thing or, and speak a certain way and your talk might look very similar. But if you're like uh, trying to educate or inform, anything you're doing that's distracting from someone's ability to be educated or become informed or to internalize something is potentially or probably harmful, right? So I think you've got to kind of understand um, not being boring, not standing there like a statue, which is the obvious, because that's also distracting in a way. Like, why, why, are he, why is he holding his arms like that? Or why isn't he moving his neck that doesn't look natural? <laughs> but yet, like, just when somebody said, hey, you're making me dizzy, yeah. I told someone that the other day because they were running a presentation. And to them, when they were changing their screen, it might have been normal speed. But over the internet, over over the ocean because of the delays it was a blur like i couldn't follow anything and i said hey you, man you gotta you gotta slow down i don't know what it is but i can't even keep up mm. and i think that's helpful that like that's where practice and feedback will will help you uh, the thing that's, is, that's how, that. coming back to what you were saying about finland because i know it's uh, as well the same in switzerland where we were doing some talks <laughs> And the audience is a little bit more laid back and, and awaiting what your message is going to be. And only after the talk, they'll really think about it and then they'll come get back to you like, oh, this this really resonated. Now I thought things through. But if you know how your what your audience is going to be like, it's easier to uh, to tailor your body language to that audience. I mean, if you're there in a, in a, in a country where you know up front, this is a fairly mild public. You're not going to be like Tom Cruise and Oprah and jumping all around. That's, that's not going to help you deliver your message. But if everyone is like Tom Cruise and you're going to stand there like a statue, it's not going to land either. So if you know what kind of audience you have, what the country is, what, what the dynamics are, then it's easier to tailor your body language and the way that you deliver. Yeah, I yeah. think what you both said is, is, is really precise. And for me, there is a bottom line that is, Will this movement help me 
to give the message? Or another way to ask the same question, maybe the other side of this question is, will this hinder my message? Or will this distract them from the message? If yes, don't. Now going to the next level is, how can my message be even more effective with the body language or the voice and the pause and whispering? So there is a lot of things that we can use on the stage that, for instance, when you move around, move with purpose, right? I have a problem. Brazilian with Italian blood, all of a sudden, I what I call octopus. I'm all the time nonstop hand, hand, <laughs> hand, 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 moving around. Mm-hmm. That is distracting. I look like Bruce Lee with Kung Fu under some silver trying to defend. Yeah, <laughs> fruit ninja, boom, 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 boom. And when, when you actually need the movement, it's, it's not helping. When you actually need to change the perspective, and now I'm twisting my fingers in a way like with a, you know, like a, a how do you call that? Like a, a gear, like you do these metaphorical ways or you say like, first, I was really afraid of public speaking. When I tried the first time, I got even more afraid, but I kept on going. And then, and you have to know as well that this mirrored, because if you do for yourself for left to right, for the audience, it's going backwards. Right? You also have to keep that in mind. Um, when you move on the stage, you can move about the time and say, like, I started that, and then I did this and this. Or you give three options. I only had three options when I started the job. The first one is to flip the table and do this and this and that. The second option, and then you move to the side, was to do this and this and that. So that's really, it's really helping the audience to keep the engagement and remember more the message because it's not about retention, it's about the attention. Yeah, mm, yeah. I, I don't know who to attribute this to, but um, something I saw online was the sign of someone's level of self-confidence or desire to master their craft is their ability to listen and watch themselves if mm. they're trying to get get better at some sort of performance art, right? Because it is so uncomfortable. I mean, there are famous celebrities who have never watched their own movies. There are radio and musicians who have probably never sat down and listened to themselves. But I think it's hard for me to listen back to an episode of this podcast or watch a video of myself. But I do it. I force myself to do it because I truly want to get better. And I'm not saying that somebody who can't do that or won't do that doesn't want to get better. It's it's just it's a technique that I'm using. what are what are what are your thoughts on it, Sunder? I know Arthur. It sounds like you definitely do that, but Sunder, what about you? Do you listen back or watch yourself in previous performances? On the podcast, I did that in the beginning, and after a while, like, yeah, I don't want to hear me anymore. I'm good. Uh, <laughs> which is also what, how this the, the the way that we have this platform came to play. Like in the beginning, uh, as I was talking to Arthur about uh, uh, earlier. I listed questions up front that I would like to have answered because that made me feel prepared. And that's the thing. That's not my style. It made me feel very robotic. And I'm finding time Mm. just to to, uh, have all my questions answered. And now I'm just sitting here listening to Arthur and jumping on it as if he were in in a bar. I'm here as a listener just with a mic. I'm, I'm just the, yeah. in the audience, just with a mic in front of me. But in, in the beginning, it was this is, really, this is not water, by the way. No, I'm pretty <laughs> sure it's whiskey, and that's where we're gonna riff on <laughs> later uh, after this conversation, because we're we're both whiskey uh, and George. Anyway, 
in the beginning, I was looking at or listening to myself a lot more than I than I'm doing currently. That's also how same with language, right? It if you look at a typical Dutch accent in English, it's more like this. People speak more like this, and then I felt it was quite annoying to listen to myself. So I started to listen to my guests a little bit more, and to, for instance, people who have the accent at gym and try to mimic that a little bit more. That's how I started to improve my own English, for instance. But now I don't mm-hmm. don't listen to myself that much. I try to listen to myself in the moment. Mastering agility only works with organizations aligned with our values, and that's exactly why we are excited to work with our sponsor. Scrum Match is the free platform for professionals run by professionals. On Scrum Match, true Scrum Masters get hired by companies serious about the popular framework. The awesome people behind this platform have decades of experience, among them a professional Scrum trainer for Scrum.org. They have interviewed, trained, and coached hundreds of like-minded people, and they use this exact experience to make you stand out from the crowd and help you get in touch with companies looking for true Scrum Masters. So go to scrummatch.com and sprint to your dream job. Yeah. Arthur, have you spoken in Japan before? Uh, it's on my to-do. It's high on my to-do. Okay. Well, one of the things you said, um, and, and I'll just give you a, a word to, in case it's new to you, it's called shokunin. And I'm sure I'm butchering the pronunciation, but it is, in Japanese, it is the pursuit of one's uh, craft. And this continuous focus on refining your craft. And I, that, that's what the phrase I heard you say a little bit ago was you were refining um, your craft. And the best tip I can give you or the audience, about if you like that idea, is the documentary Jiro Dreams of Sushi. And it's about this, you know, arguably the best sushi master in the world um, with his restaurant in Japan. And there's a very famous and popular Netflix documentary on it. And he tastes his own food. You know, would you go to would you think that a chef would not taste their own food? No, that 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 would be insane. But it's so inspiring to me to watch this documentary about this. I think he's in his early 90s now and he's still getting better and he's still passionate about improving and imparting and motivating and inspiring other people to get better and and all this and i think that's humility right is even when you are lauded as the best and top of your your genre you still saying i want to get better and mm-hmm. i sunder and i have talked on previous episodes about how can you use that as a helpful thing for yourself and not let it weigh you down with all the things you're not doing? How can you balance humility with confidence and pride and the positive side of that? And before jumping on this question, let me get back to you on this, the, the same question. How was it for you, Jim, to listen to our first episode together? Because I know you listened to this together with your wife as well. That's a different Yeah, I mean, I'm his... Yeah, I mean, I'm pissed off at our audience. <laughs> Jokingly, of course, but because I want feedback, and, and we've asked, like I've asked audience members if our friend Marge is in the call, you know, and they're so nice, they're so complimentary of the good things we do, which is great, and the guests we have on, and the conference, you know, the the conversations. But it's like, but what what would make it even better? Like if it's like a ribeye is amazing. 
But yes. I've had crappy ribeyes and I've had amazing steaks. And when I think about, I want to continue to make my friends and family better and better meals, it could be better. Um, but no, I, I have made it a point to listen back. It might mean I buy a new piece of technology to make the experience better for others or better for myself. It might mean I try and cure a vocal tick. It might mean I try and talk less or talk more or et cetera. So uh, it is something I do. Um, I don't know if that's what you were looking for, but yeah, I definitely do. And, and I find myself when I'm listening back to us learning from you and from our guests, like when we had Trisha Broderick on, you know, she is a keynote, she's an author and she talks about and talked to us, you know, even when we weren't recording about nerves like Arthur said at the the beginning, um, and you know, just wanting to get better and preparation and, and all this, and I think that's what you see in a lot of people who, you know, are inspiring is they care. I think that's what that all boils down to is do they care? Hmm. And when some when I feel that someone cares and they're being genuine, I am just naturally drawn a tiny little bit more into that person. And a friend of mine, we were we were both speaking at a conference, and I was telling him I was super stressed because I didn't feel prepared. I mean, I flew to another city, and I had zero slides, Arthur. Like you, you would probably, if I was one of your mentees, you're probably like, I'm kicking you out of this program because <laughs> that's not professional. Why? But, why? 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 Yeah, it's, it's and, great. And he said, hey, man, just enough, just in time. And I gave one of my most popular talks and am the, mo and am the most proud of the output of that. And I didn't sleep the night before. And I stayed up in the hotel room and was creating the visuals. I knew what I wanted to talk about, but I felt completely unprepared. And it's, it's amazing. And mm. could it have went terribly? It could have. I I think at at worst it might have been okay, but it was just it was it was humbling. Um, I haven't repeated that because it was a level of stress that I didn't. I don't want to repeat, but it was good. First, I already wrote down the Shokunin and the Jira Dreams of Sushi. I'm definitely going to check it out. Thanks for that. Um, mm -hmm. Secondly, without slides, man. I think you really connect to yourself. Many times slides are helping us. Sometimes they are just really preventing us to flow because you are like, what is the next slide again? Mm -hmm. What do I have to say on this one? Unless you really have it well rehearsed because that's how I like the flow. I know exactly what cue I have to say to press the button to go to the next slide. So it feels like a story. It's smooth. There is a glue instead of like, uh, and that's how we started transformation. Press the button, look at the slide. And the first step we did that, and you break the flow, right? There is always like looking at the slide or it doesn't feel natural. So if you do use slide, make sure that you know the next slide, make sure that you know what you kill the next one. And yes, you got to hear yourself a few times, but make it smooth. Without slides, I think you're really connecting to yourself. Most of the great TED Talks, no slide at all. And there is something that I, I like to quote I don't remember who said it, but be yourself. Everybody else is taken. Mm, yeah. It's the authenticity Man, connect to your style. For. Yeah. 
it's the authenticity that's, that people are looking for that really resonates. If you have those fake people, and the same with with, uh, I imagine that you you've had this discussion with with a lot of your mentees as well. Like, I don't know what to talk about. I don't care what you talk about. If you're passionate about it, then it's going to resonate. It's going to stick. Every topic, and it's the same with writing. All right, I've written over a hundred blogs by now, and it's always what what am I going to write about? The audience doesn't care about what you write about. It's how you write it. It's about how you deliver it. It's the passion that they read mm. through. It's, the, it's mm-hmm. the jokes. It's the authenticity. If you're going to be something, if you try to be someone else, if you try to deliver like Barack Obama, they're going to poke through. They're not. They're they're going to disengage. But if you're going to be Arthur in your own unique style, that's going to resonate with people. That's yeah. I think the best thing one can do. Before my first talks, I would wear super fancy like a shirt and like a blazer and like a fancy shoes that was extremely uncomfortable. And I was be trying to speak seriously. No jokes because this is a talk. How dare I crack jokes? So I was really fancy, but that's not me, man. That's not me. So as soon as I connected with like on the stage, I'm going to be the same as I am having a beer with my friends. That's the best thing I've ever done because I feel comfortable. I can improvise better because I'm being myself. People will see authenticity, and I have to test uh, to try how to pronounce this word better. Um, <laughs> but it's much easier. It's much more smooth. And they see you there. They see you. Of course, you look, there is something on the stage that's called persona. What is a persona? It's not you acting. It's your best. What is your persona on the stage? Regardless if you didn't sleep last night, regardless if you had a fight with your partner or with your boss and you have a lot of work, people are there for you. They paid for the ticket. They're investing their time. You got to deliver your best. You got to rehearsal. You got to be energized. So what is your persona on the stage? My persona is crazy, energetic, telling stories with humor. And I bring music into it. And I I go around and I move my body. I'm going to talk about putting things under the carpet. I lift really the carpet that there is there on the stage or I bring one. And I lift this carpet and I start kicking stuff under to make this image to stick. And I have people saying like three years later, I still remember you putting stuff under the carpet, the conflict of the team. The team is not solving mm-hmm. a conflict. They put it under a carpet. It's going to create a bump. Somebody's going to just kick on it. It's going to be dust everywhere. And that's how you get people burned out, fired, saying things that they shouldn't, throwing tables, etc., etc. Be yourself on the stage. That's the first thing. Everybody else is already taken. And of course, you got to be on your best. So create a ritual. Arthur, ritual is a word that's too strong. Create a... a, a preparation, a way to get into the zone. My way depends on how I am on that day. Sometimes I'm too hyped up. I need to calm down. I need to really take a time to take a breath. So I count my breaths until 10 and I come back three times. I go over my slides and I take a breath. Sometimes I didn't sleep much. So I'm going to drink a freaking Red Bull if needed or one coffee or a green tea. What I'm going to do, there you go. He has two cans there. <laughs> Sander is showing two cans of Red Bull. Sometimes I, cold, I I throw cold water on my nape so it goes down all the way on my spine, almost to the ass. And I wake the hell up. I'm like, Whoa, I'm ready. Jumping jacks, whatever I need to do, I'm there for them. And one thing that I really can recommend, know the first five minutes of your talk by heart so you can deliver from the heart. Once you know the first five minutes of your talk, you are inviting people to your right. Your talk is a right. And the first five minutes, you are opening the doors. 
you are letting them be comfortable. But if they are entering your car to start this ride and you are just in the mirror, adjusting the seat, seeing how to turn on the car or seeing what is the first gear, they're like, eh, not sure if I want to go to this ride. But if they enter your car, it's playing an amazing song. You are there saying with energy, welcome everybody, let's go. Hey, feel comfortable, we ready, let's go. It's, and you know the first five minutes of your talk. So that is how I really welcome because from there, I can improvise more. But the first five minutes, even if I improvise, I know what to say, I visualize like Michael Phelps, I literally go one hour, two days, one day before, I see my room and I visualize myself walking, saying the things, passing this right, cracking the joke, playing the ukulele, because you are activating the same parts of your brain, then you will actually be activating when doing that thing. So once you are there, it's a familiar place. It's not a scary black box, uncomfortable place. You're like, I've been here before. Now imagine that you're there, you're standing on stage and you have a blackout. You don't remember those five first minutes. Now what? I don't remember the last time that it happened because I really take care of that. Because you enter the downward spiral. If you have this blackout, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a, a, another answer soon, but really make sure that you don't do the possible for that. Otherwise, you are entering the spiral. It's like, I said that wrong. I mispronounced that. Oh my God, I passed this slide already. I spoiled the thing. Oh, I did that wrong. And you are nervous. And now they saw that you're nervous. Because they saw that you're nervous, you're more nervous. Now your mouth is dry. Your hands are sweating. You are sweating. You are more nervous because you are sweating and your mouth is dry. And, 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 yeah. Feels like an Eminem song. Uh, Spaghetti, mom, spaghetti, vomit already. Yes, there you go. Uh, But just maybe just to close that and and answering your your question, Sander, I think blackouts will happen. And one one of the best skills that I acquired that helps me on the stage is improv. Mm. It's been maybe 17 years that I do improv every day. No, every week. No, every month. No, but I keep content. I keep consuming the content. I keep trying from time to time, even facilitated some sessions myself because improv comes from the theater. It's a scene or scenes that are created with no script where everything is a gift. And one of the main rules of improv is yes. And. Yeah. So everything that comes is a gift and yes. And so, yes, I have a blackout. And let's take a look here. I have to stop taking these pills. I don't know. Or, or I got to say better. I don't know. Man, you crack a joke, you be yourself, but call the elephant in the room. Yeah, the worst thing one, one can my... do as well is just like, and they see that you forgot and they see that you had a blackout, but you want to keep it hidden. And you don't say, just sometimes you have to talk about the elephant in the room. That's going to be better. One, one of my favorite uh, TED Talks, the, the speaker loses his way right in the middle. And it's great because it's it's like a 30-second awkward pause, and then it's right back on, and it it's humanizing. Like, yeah. you know, this is somebody who's not new to this being on stage. It's excellent. My One of my first code, uh, co-training experiences was with a guy named Ty Crockett that uh, some of the people in our audience know, Sunder might know. Yeah. And he gave me some feedback all throughout the process, and Ty is a phenomenal person, trainer, artist, everything. And he said, look, biggest thing is you don't know the material down pat yet. Like you didn't know what was coming next. And he said, but you clearly know your shit, you know, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but, um, and that was good because 
he was clearly as an expert picking up on, you know, that awkward, that half beat when you advance the slide and you're like, and now we're going to talk about this. So your segues get smoother, your, your flow gets seamless. And I asked other people in the class uh, that were there that I knew, and they were like, I, I didn't pick up on that at all. But that's because he's come, he's approaching it from, I want to make Jim better. And I also am an experienced practitioner and he's looking for different things than your average person. So I think the connection there is whatever bar you may hold yourself to, it, it may not be the same bar that other people hold you to. The things you're critical of yourself about might be completely unnoticed and irrelevant to others. However, the things that you don't know about or that you don't think about might be the very thing that makes something go from good to great for somebody else. And if you could improve it, right. Um, one, one question I've got for you based on something you said just a few minutes ago is, and if the answer is no, we don't have to spend any more time on this is <laughs> sometimes I'll go to conferences or events and I will see what I am calling a lazy speaker. Mm-hmm. And what they do is I, I've talked to them and I've talked to people and I'm like, so what's your talk about? They're like, eh, I don't know. Um, I've been really busy this last month, so I'm just going to do a Q&A. Or I think I might talk about this. And they, they get in and they're like, all right, everybody, here's who I am. Um, what do we want to talk about today? And they kind of like crowdsource the agenda and the topic. And I'm like, well, but what if the audience didn't give them anything? How's that going to go? Like, because what, what I hear you saying is you're a professional. People have invested their time to come listen to you and they could have done other things. You take that, uh, it feels to me, as a responsibility, which I think is good. That what's mi- what, that's what makes you a professional. But have you seen this uh, persona, I guess... And what are your thoughts on it, if so? Not in professional speaking yet, but it feels very much like stand-up. Not necessarily improv, but really the, the stand-up part. Now, that could be interesting mm. if it is uh, advertised as such. Mm. Yeah, I've, I've seen that. I wouldn't call lazy speaker, although I understood what you mean. Maybe it's laziness. Maybe it's mm-hmm. nervousness. Maybe it's a new test. I don't know. We, we got to mm-hmm. ask each one to know what is the reasoning. Um, but I've seen some speakers that are way more chilled and they don't need preparation or they don't need much. Uh, Chris Stone is one of them. Shout out, Chris. Uh, the dude is just like talking to a random person before, five minutes before his talk and blah, blah, blah. And then he goes there and he kills it. I can do mm-hmm. that. I can do that. I'm doing that for nine years and I still have my my little um, mindful moments to get into the zone. And I, of course, got to know again the five to ten minutes by heart so I can deliver from the heart. Um, I think my premise is exactly as you said. People are there for you, mm-hmm. right? Maybe they know you, maybe they don't, but they're investing the time. If you have 300 people in your session, you have, and it's one hour, you have 300 human hours on your mm-hmm. a- account and you got to deliver that. I, I really want to make that one hour be worth like two hours or three hours. Nice. Well, I always yeah, return on that. that investment. Like you're talking yeah, about exactly. return on the investment. I think that's awesome. 
And it's something that I do a lot is the Hoti selfie. It's something that I'm doing for years. I take a selfie at the end and it's one to five, the return on time invested. Instead of return on investment, it's return on time invested. Hey everybody, you just invested here this session in this time, uh, in the session with me, 45 minutes or an hour. From one is the worst time invested, five is the best, three to one at the same time. Of course, I do it way more explained and, and better than this, but I take a selfie at the end and I ask if it's okay to post, but sometimes I don't take a selfie so they feel comfortable to show whatever. Sometimes I do like a QR code, as Sander says, but I got to know why. I got to have mm -hmm. a good quantitative and qualitative idea on how was the talk so I can improve the next time or double down on what worked. But I'm not that mm -hmm. persona that you mentioned. I am somebody that is like, I'm not going to sleep the night before if I feel that is not great or yeah. really good session for them. I need to adjust that. Maybe it's a slide. Maybe I need to rehearse or put the timer. I got to really leave time for a Q&A. I can't do that. Call me systematic. Call me crazy. But it's too many people, man. <laughs> Even if it's five yeah. people in the audience, I'm going to deliver the same way, yeah. same energy, rehearsing and going crazy. And I already did that for five people in a conference of 3,000 people. I think uh, smaller audiences are a lot scarier special. than big ones. Hey, speaking of time, we're yeah. 90 minutes in. I think you now hold the record of the longest ever episode. So, Uh-oh. Well done. <laughs> Let's order beers and pizzas. Let's go, man. Let's so get going, kudos man. Kudos to the audience for still bearing with us. This is probably going to be a double mm -hmm. episode. We're going to cut it in half, release it in two batches. Part one and two. <laughs> Sorry for that. <laughs> no, no I, don't I apologize. It. It's great. I yeah. could have gone on for hours. <laughs> Probably YouTube. I feel uh, we should get a beer over this anyway. Sure. Speaking of which, I'll see you. I think the first opportunity that we'll see each other is in Austria at the uh, Agile Tour Vienna conference. And if not, we're going to meet at Correct. Baku, Azerbaijan for Agile Correct. Azerbaijan to speak at both conferences. So if you're listening from either of the countries, we'll be there in September 16th by heart in Vienna and November 4th in Azerbaijan. And if not, very good. October 2nd and 3rd, Jim and my course in Dublin, Ohio. BSPO Advanced. And my offer goes out to both of you and the audience. Anytime you want me to speak, send the jet, just send a ticket, you know, <laughs> send an Uber, and I will likely be there. <laughs> so, I, I can go without the chat. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm cheaper on that one. I don't need a jet. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Look at that. He's already trying to undercut me. That's how he gets that positive uh, ROT out, right? Like, all right, all right. Cost. We come in the package. Send the jets to both of us. We'll swim over. There you swim go. over. Arthur, it was a pleasure. Jim, it was good seeing you. Thank you both. And again, if you, you so much. any feedback, let us know. Thank you, audience, for being here. And we'll see you again Thank you. next time. Cheers, everybody. Thank you. Nice to meet you, Jim. Thank you so much. You too. That is all for today. Thank you for listening. If you liked this episode, let us know by hitting that like button, share it with friends and colleagues, sharing a message on LinkedIn, joining our warm and welcoming Discord community, or attend recordings as a virtual audience. You can find all the relevant links in the show notes. We hope you'll tune back in for the next episode of the Mastering Agility podcast.